Section twenty one of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Section twenty one. I shall never be a model woman. Lord Charles Vivian had been completely spoilt by good fortune. An only son, he had succeeded quite early to a magnificent estate, a large fortune, and an ancient title. As a handsome boy, he had been caressed, indulged, and spoilt. His mother never allowed him to be thwarted in any wish or desire. His father thought that there was no one equal to him. They both died while he was still in his early youth, and he was left to the care of guardians who were just as indulgent some young men would not have suffered so terribly from this as he did but he was not naturally good and circumstances fostered all the evil that was in him fair women flattered him he was a great prize in the matrimonial market he knew that some of the fairest and noblest women in england would have been proud and pleased to have shared his lot he knew that he could choose where he would but although the chains of hymen might be made of the fairest roses he would never wear them he had resolved to have as much enjoyment as possible out of life and to secure that he decided upon roaming like a butterfly and marrying when he grew old he was wealthy and the possessor of an ancient title and magnificent estates but the name of lord charles vivian was not held in the highest honour by the world it was not one of purest renown Husbands with beautiful wives, fathers with fair young daughters, looked reproachfully on him, for neither virtue, honour, friendship, principle, nor pity ever stood in his way when he had the caprice to gratify or a whim to indulge. He laughed at the notion of a broken heart. In his creed women were quite an inferior order of creation. They might have souls, or they might not. That was a mere matter of belief. They were created simply for the amusement of the passing hour, and to do the real drudgery work of the world how many women's hearts he broke how many fair young lives he blighted all will be known on that terrible day when sin is called by its right name and there is no gloss thrown over it he had had numerous flirtations but love he had never known if he saw a face that pleased him he pursued it until he won it and then it might perish like a faded rose-leaf it was of no more interest to him ah it was an evil hour in which he saw the promised wife of earl moray he had never met any one so lovely his heart was on fire as he thought of the perfect beauty of her face and figure there was not the least pity in his heart as he said to himself he must win her no matter what it cost him she was well worth some little trouble and she was willing to be won if he could judge from her eyes the last thing doris saw as she drove away from the castle gates was lord charles vivian watching her intently with love and admiration in his face he was not so handsome as earl he lacked the fair spiritual beauty of the poet but he was a lord and to some people that one fact makes the whole world of difference doris went home with her thoughts in a maze her head whirling with all she had seen and heard but the one dominant idea was that she had been admired by a lord it had been a most unfortunate thing for her the visit to downsbury castle but for it she might in time have grown reconciled to her lot she might have learned to love and appreciate earl she might have lived and died happily but for it this story had never been written it was the turning point in her life it seemed to bring into sudden and vivid life all of the evil that had laid dormant it roused the vanity the ambition the love of luxury and pleasure the love of conquest and admiration until they became a living flame nothing could extinguish how plain and homely the little farm seemed to her after the magnificence of downsbury castle 
how homely and uncouth mattie and her mother were after the languid graceful lady estella nothing pleased her nothing contented her i have been foolish she thought i wish i had not promised to marry earl who knows but there might have been a chance for me to win this handsome lord lady doris vivian i like the sound of that name what a difference between that and mrs earl moray how foolish i was to be in such a hurry so that evening when poor earl came impatient to see her longing for one kind word thirsting to talk to her he was received with great coldness by her ah heaven how pitiful it was to see the handsome face droop and sadden the lips tremble the eyes grow dim with tears he might be the master of the english language that he certainly was he might be master of the heart of posy but he was a slave to her to her whims her caprices her humour it was the first time she had been cold to him the first time her face had not brightened for him she did not even smile when he entered the room he hastened up to her and bending down he kissed the beautiful face my darling doris he said i thought the day would never come to an end i have been longing to see you another time the sweet face would have been raised to his she would have given kiss for kiss she would have welcomed him as he loved best to be welcomed but to-day she merely turned impatiently aside i wish you would be more careful earl she said you make my hair so untidy i am very sorry dear he said gently it is such beautiful hair doris and i think it looks even more beautiful when it is what you call untidy there is no reason why you should make it so she retorted then he looked with wondering eyes into her face you are not well or are you tired which is it i am tired she replied tired to death earl do not tease me i ought to have remembered your long journey of course you are tired you ought to lie down and i will read to you that will rest you pray do not be fussy earl other people get tired but no one likes a fuss made over them again he looked at her could this girl who received him so coldly so indifferently be his own beautiful bright doris it seemed incredible perhaps he had been so unfortunate as to offend her he bent over her again doris he said gently have i been so unfortunate as to displease you no she replied i do not remember that you have you are so changed i can hardly imagine that this is you the pain in his voice touched her she looked at him his face had grown very pale and there was a cloud in his clear loving eyes she laughed a low impatient laugh pray do not be so unhappy because i am cross she said i never pretended to have a good temper i am always impatient over something or other but why with me you know that your smile makes heaven to me your frown despair why be cross with me darling i would give all that i have on earth to save you from one unhappy moment i am tired she said and i cannot forget the castle earl i wish so much that i had been born to live in such a place i should have been quite at home and happy there are you not at home and happy here he asked no she replied happy in a lonely dreary farmhouse with the kindest of parents the sweetest of sisters the most devoted of lovers it seems to me doris that you have all the elements of happiness she did not even hear him she was thinking of the grandeur she had seen i call that something like life she continued luxury and gaiety i would sooner never have been born at all than be condemned to spend all my life here but it will not be spent here my darling it will be spent with me his face glowed the rapture of content came over him there was no response in hers i shall change brackenside for lindenholm she said i cannot see it will make that much difference it is only exchanging one farmhouse for another but i who love you am in the other he said gently oh doris you pain me so greatly i know that you do not mean what you say but you wound me to death again she hardly heard him 
"'I should very much like to know,' Doris continued, "'if it is fair to place me, with a keen, passionate longing for life, gaiety and pleasure, here, where I have none of the three. "'None of the three, he repeated sadly, "'and I find heaven with you.' He knelt down in front of her, where he could see her face, and drew it gently down to his own. "'I will not believe you mean this, my darling. "'If I did believe it, I should go mad. "'Your beauty-loving, artistic nature has been aroused by what you have seen, "'and it makes you slightly discontented with us all. "'You ought to reign in a palace, my darling, because you are so beautiful and brilliant, "'but the palace shall be of my winning. "'You shall have every luxury that you have ever seen and envied.' "'When?' she asked, briefly, bringing his castle in the air suddenly to the ground. "'Soon, my darling. You do not know how hard I am working. "'Soon as I possibly can accomplish it.' work she replied a man may work for a lifetime and yet never earn sufficient to build a house much less a castle look at my father look how hard he works yet he is not rich and never will be but my work is different from his doris there have been poets who have made large fortunes and there have been poets who starved in a garret she replied but i have not that intention cried earl with a look of power i will win wealth for you the thought of you gives me skill nerve and courage for anything have patience my darling oh earl it was beautiful she cried pitilessly interrupting him and that lady estella wore such a beautiful dress she has a strange way of moving it produces a strange effect so slowly and so gracefully as though she were moving to the rhythm of some hidden music and those rooms i can never forget them to think that people should live and move in the midst of such luxury he raised the white hand to his lip they are not all happy doris oh believe me darling money luxury magnificence cannot bring happiness sooner or later one wearies of them i never should she answered gently if i could live twenty lives instead of one i should never weary i should like every hour of each of them to be filled with pleasure that is because you have so little he said wistfully you shall have a bright future just at that moment mattie brace entered the room and doris looked at her with a smile a little brown mouse like mattie she said can easily be content you are happy as the day is long are you not mattie the quiet brown eyes with their look of wistful pain rested for one moment upon earl then the young girl said calmly certainly i am happy and content why should i not be i always think that the same good god who made me knew how and where to place me and knew best what i was fitted for there said doris that is the kind of material your model women are made of i shall never be a model woman mattie will never be anything else mattie is quite right said earl there is nothing so vain and so useless as longing for that which we can ever attain come doris you look better and brighter than you did when i first came in tell me about your day at the castle she told him of the duke's kind reception of lady estella's condescension of all the beautiful things she had seen and how the duke's daughter had given her some flowers and talked to her but not one word did she say of lord charles vivian it was better she thought not to even mention that i am sorry you ever went near the castle said mattie gravely i do not think you will ever be quite the same girl again and i have a presentiment that in some shape or other evil will come of it and earl as he heard these words turned away with a heavy sigh End of section twenty one